I'm Craig Campbell from Nerdburger Games, and you are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Peter and Jessica talk about restricting character creation options. In the news, Pathfinder 2nd Edition playtest survey results, new Basin and Dragonborn books from Free League, Planescape previews, and more. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Welcome back, I suppose. I am delighted to announce that today's podcast is sponsored by the local town crier service, Town Square Space. I mean, I say that I'm delighted, but as you can imagine, I'm being less than completely sincere. Town Squarespace provides an all-in-one platform that gives you everything you need to announce your announcements or proclaim your proclamations. Who writes this stuff? Town Squarespace's professional town criers are at least 30% louder than any other town criers. Whether you're just getting started or are an established brand, our powerful platform helps your business grow. I remember when it was perfectly acceptable to announce your next genocidal plan by posting it on the local notice board, but apparently no one looks at notice boards anymore, so you have to pay a man to bellow in people's faces. You people sicken me. All the tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, hello, hello This is Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk and this week, I'll be your host, PJ Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. I am, in fact, very excited to be here. We are missing Russ due to what I can only presume is a palace coup, because broadcasting live! Well, to me, live, uh, to the rest of you, as the usual podcast lay up in her <laughs> mountain fortress. She who must be obeyed, lest you don't get paid. It's the one! It's the only! It's it's me, Jessica from EN Publishing. Yes, and we are minus a rust this week. And do you know why? I think it's because it is Friday, October the 13th, so misfortune must have befalled Russ, ah. which is why he cannot be here with us recording. You'd say it's dogged his footsteps. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> that's we, a process where you get two dogs, you see. You tend to get things dogging you. Wait, we that's were... a different story. All right. It is a different story. It is a different story. We were going to talk about uh, equipment and handouts and things like that this week Ooh. as our plan, but we're delaying that till next week when Russ is here because he was quite excited to talk about that. Yes. So that will be next week. But we are in this week. Peter, how's your week been? Yes, yeah, it's been pretty good. Thank you. I've been doing various things, making pregens, running games. It's been going quite well. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, yes, surely we'll have a rest after this fight. I'm like, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> you are very wrong. <laughs> oh, uh, my Kickstarter's not quite hit $2,000, but I've got, nice. I should have an exciting announcement about artwork because I'm getting some Ooh. custom made. It's cut- so it's fully, it's fully funded now? Oh, yeah, like nearly three times. Woohoo! Yeah, I know, thank you. It's, it's been pretty exciting. So yeah, that, that's why I'm like uh, reaching into my pocket and bringing out some illustrations. Also, it's like, chaotic gleeful shark people hard to come across in mm-hmm. and also um non-ursula-esque octopus centaur people is also what we might call fairly specialist <laughs> it, it 
Yes, it's a niche interest, but one that apparently myself and many other people have. For those that didn't hear last week, what was the name of your Kickstarter, just if they were intrigued and wanted to hear it? Oh, Worlds to Go the Elysians. It's a micro setting, so it's got all the bits you'll need to say, hey, I want to run a game, and start running that game at the same time without needing to do the three, four hours of paperwork first, which I think is kind of <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we can call it character generation all we like. But yeah, it's paperwork I, yeah. wearing a hat is still paperwork, right? <laughs> I agree. I no, I wasn't disagreeing with you. I was echoing your sentiment. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, okay, yeah. well, guys, that's going so well. Yeah, I've got I, Jennifer Marshall, who uh, worked on The Monsters Know What They're Doing, uh, who illustrated that book. For those who are of Keith Man's work, then, yeah. Nice. So it's going to be pretty. It's... Yes, yes, that is that is very much very much what my books are about. They're about being pretty, concise, and like yeah, just full of good stuff, basically. But that's yeah. that's just how I roll. Uh, they're not as, very as big per books. your personal brand. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not going to be able to compete on quantity. <laughs> Certainly yeah. can't compete on price. So what can I say? Mm-hmm. I'm just going for the best I can possibly make it, which is more well, effort, yes. but makes me happy. Excellent. I, I I understand that was like a. That's a what more successful Kickstarter for Ian Publishing. Well, more I think success, if you measure it by other people, you're constantly going to be sad. But uh, yeah, we did our Level Up Starter box set Kickstarter this week. It ended literally yesterday. So mm-hmm. I was up till about 1am uh, sending everyone their digital rewards. So all the backers mm-hmm. have their PDFs, uh, virtual tabletop assets and tokens and stuff like that. Nice. So yeah, so it ended. Uh, so we, we were just shy of hitting our last stretch goal, like literally a few hundred pounds away from the last one. But... I think we're probably going to get that back kit because I've already had several people doing the, oh, I missed it. Will there be a back kit late pledge? Um, so I think if we get it on back kit with a late pledge, we might just do that last stretch goal as well. Just why not? Nice, nice. So that's so that funded. That's really great. So that's the level up box set. So if you're back for that, thank you very much. If you're not, uh, we'll be getting uh, the back kit pledge manager up in the next couple of weeks. So you can jump in then. And do any add-ons and bits and pieces. But yeah, I'm really excited about the box set. It's really nice set. It's um it's an early access PDF we just sent people, so it still mm-hmm. has doesn't have like the page references and things on because we're just doing our final editing pass mm-hmm. before it goes to the printers. So all those bits get put in last, like page references in case things change. Mm-hmm. So if you see it, well, it's an actual box set, isn't it? So that's pretty Yeah. Pretty yeah. Different. So there's well there's like so there's four little booklets to go in, there's the tokens, there's the maps, there's um yeah, yeah, and there's a whole thing with the manufacturing of it. Um, but yeah, we're already doing that with what's sold as new box set. So we kind of done this process already. So we're in that process for that. So, but yeah, so box sets fun. It's been my week, and also playing a lot of Baldur's Gate. I did my first yeah. uh, live stream, Baldur's yeah. Gate three cocktail hour on Wednesday, which was good fun. Is, is few, everyone technical... playing Gift Yankee? Huh? Is, are you all playing Gift Yankee? That's no, just me. Fun. Oh, it's just you. Oh, okay. That's yeah. me. I'm playing. Oh. I'm playing a Gift Yankee fighter who I've just called Maisel. Guess the reference. I just, I was like, you know, I pretty much just want to play Lazel, so I'm just, I'm just gonna do that. Like that's, that's what I'm gonna do. So yeah, so so we have a rogue, uh, a gnome rogue called Hinky Punk, who is being classic rogue, just running around looting everything and just being chaos incarnate, which I think is great in a party as well. And then we have uh, Steph is playing a human ranger as well, and this is her first ever playthrough of the game. And so I'm kind of letting her do the story things and the talking so we can discover it in real time. Because, yeah, so both myself and Amber have played through before and are in Act 2 or 3, respectively. But anyway, so we're playing that. So that's very good fun. Amazing. Uh, So that's been a lot of my week. So, yeah, Kickstartering and uh, playing games and, uh, yeah, a lot of that. But 
Mm. Enough about us, Peter. Should we talk about the real tabletop RPG news this week? Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything about D&D? Planescape, say. Yes. Well, Planescape is, as we mentioned before, Planescape mm. is uh, coming next week. Ooh. So Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse will be available on October 16th next week. So you can get it from your friendly local gaming stores or, or wherever you like. Mm. Um, but Wizards the, So we've been talking about it for a few weeks. So we've, we've yep. kind of gone through it a lot. So I'm not going to go into too much detail. But Wizards of the Coast have released loads of promo videos talking about the setting. Um, so they've got different videos for like the setting, character variants, um, uh, information about how magic works in Planescape and all these different things. Um, so if you're interested in any of that on EN World, Russ has put together an article which has bundled them all in one place. So you don't have to go seeking around the internet for different ones. So if you enjoy listening to videos and getting your information that way, on EN World we've got an article which is full of all the videos about Planescape you can watch ahead of the pre-release as well. So yeah, so we've got that together. So if you want to have a look at that. So that was my main bit of Planescape news. Yeah, maybe we should just jump straight across the rest of the world. Uh, there yes, is a Kickstarter come out. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called, uh, I'm going to have a go at it, Gubat Banwa. And it is looking like kind of intense, not going to lie. It is a war drama, martial arts tactics RPG set in a fantasy setting inspired by the stories of Southeast Asia. Oh, this is, this is cool. Uh, yes, yes. That is, that, there's a, Sorry, I'm just looking at it live on the podcast as you describe it to me. No, absolutely. Uh, it's got a PDF that you can download from itch.io or DriveThruRPG. It doesn't have all the new layout, but it'll give you into a final text of the physical book. So, yeah, they are fully funded. $51,000 of a $40,000 goal. 659 backers, 27 days ago. I mean, i got to say, it looks kind, kind of amazing. I love one of the elements of it is a lot of what you said, like tactical martial arts fantasy, Southeast Asia centred. But one of the other bullet points is built for drama. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, it 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 does seem like a pretty promising thing with a pre-existing community. So I think there's plenty of so decided to take it into physical form, uh, raising the funds for getting a book. So nice, nice one. Yeah, that looks really good. Yeah, basic digital edition, twenty five dollars. Hardcover, sixty. Yeah, this is all like pretty reasonable prices. That I'd expect to pay for a, a nice RPG like this. As well. Very reasonable prices, and obviously you get the PDF as well. So yeah, oh, there is a there is a pledge tier for a thousand dollars though. That was at the Kan Kadungan box set. Yeah. Sorry, Kadunganan set. See an ending fence and you also get to design an enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also an original Kandunganan and put them in the core rule book. Um yeah, so there's there's, there's a lot of stuff and uh, some creative input, which is kinda cool. So, yeah. yeah. That is very cool. Thanks for sharing that. I might, I might maybe I'll back. I'm gonna look at my my budgets and see if I can back that because I do have a set amount that I put aside for backing Kickstarters and getting new games because otherwise it gets out of hand. Uh-huh. <laughs> so when I see everything I like on Kickstarter, I was like, I'll get that, I'll get that, I'll get that, and then like at the end of the month, I'm like, oh, I committed t- too much. So, so much money. Yeah. yeah, I might see if that that fits in in my budgeting pot for that. So I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I tend to be quite cautious about what I pack nowadays, but I gotta say this is looking very good. Very good I like that one. I have some other news, not for a Kickstarter, mm. but for Paizo Pathfinder Remastered, the new oh, edition that's yes, coming out. Yes. Yes. So we've been talking, we talked about before, so there's new classes coming along. Um, yeah. So they did the playtest for, they call it the War of the Immortals class playtest, mm. and it was looking at the uh, Animist and the Exemplar classes. Mm. Now, I'm going to give this information. I don't play a lot of Pathfinder, so I've, I can't give like loads of opinions on this. <laughs> um, but 
I do have the information from the playtest that happened. So people got a chance to kind of play it and give their feedback. And this is what other people that, that played it and tried it out and that, that know their Pathfinder better than I have said. Um, so I'll take a look at the Animus class first. And this is um, the class that kind of uses um, apparitions with spell casting and has different vessels and uses things a bit of like a mm. undead kind of druidy vibe sort of yeah. thing by my looks of it. Um, anyway, but the main thing is that people said it's moderately complicated, but overall they liked all of the major class features. So they're like, yeah, we really like it, but it's a lot. Is kind of what people said. So what they're kind of trying to do with it, they said that they're going to try and trim away some of the fat and tighten up some of the mechanics so it's slightly less complicated, so it feels a little bit more intuitive. But yeah, so that's one thing that they're going to try and do. And people, they said people really liked, so the spell casting the Animus does, there's a combination from what I understand of, it's a split between prepared spell casting, so you have spells that you prepared earlier, and there's mm-hmm. also some spontaneous ones that you can do for apparition spells. Um, and everybody really liked that there was a blend of this and a balance that so kept things interesting. Um, so they're, they're like, okay, we'll, we'll kind of stick with that then. Thank you very much. And people liked the apparitions that were there, and but they were like, we need more, please. And so uh, Paisa said, okay, we will make more. <laughs> I think they did a limited amount in the playtest to try and test out specific ones, because I think they were probably looking at, we want to make sure people play these to check that it works. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, overall, it looked like it was a real, pe- the, the community really liked it. So I, I think, yeah, it looks like it's not going to change a huge amount. And that was things on the Animist. I'll move on to the exemplar as well. So the exemplar. Mm-hmm. So they were looking to they did they they said the playtest, they didn't like give all of the features of it, again, like the icons and things like that, because they wanted to test a specific mechanics within the exemplar class. And again, generally people's feedback was positive. They loved their core mechanics. The core mechanic is um so you have your divine spark, your magic, and you move you put it into focuses of icons and yeah. that gives you different abilities and things depending which icon you're using. So you can have and gain a different variety of icons throughout the game to do different stuff. Yeah. And people liked that. Yes. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, it sounds fun. This playtest had like kind of the basic uh, ones in places that said, and people liked it, but they wanted some more niche ones. So they're like, if you could have an icon that could do this specific, then that would be cool because then you can make a really customized, specific character to do different abilities for. And I think that's what they absolutely plan to do. So that looks cool. So they said about domain spells as well because they said people thought mm. they're useful, but they found them boring. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean. I th- I'm sure they probably phrased it a bit differently. They're like, yeah, I looked at it because the people apparently looked at me like, yeah, that's a good idea. But in reality of playing it, they're like, I didn't really use it. I didn't find it that interesting. Hmm. And I think that's just because there was loads of other cool stuff with the icons and other stuff to do. So it might just be, hmm. yeah, on paper you look at it and you're like, yeah, this should be there. But when you're actually playing, you're like, I don't actually use that because I have this really cool thing over there. Hmm. And people liked the tone from the references to folklore and mythology as well. So hmm. yeah, so they like that for the role-playing kind of, links that you put in and stuff like that so overall it looks like people generally like these new classes there's things to tweak and change with specific mechanics and and things like that but yeah it looks like they've gone down pretty well from my perspective yeah i mean what can i say paizo does do, do some good work yeah. and they got the audience for uh, some playtesting so fair play to them absolutely i can see someone that playtested it put in the comments they said super cool to see the positive response and that the exemplar won't be changing too much my favorite class right there hmm. There we go. Yeah, so people are liking it. So that was yeah. So that was the feedback on what's going on with Paizo and Paizo Remaster, uh, Pathfinder Remastered, which I'd be I'm intrigued to see. Yeah. Yes. Um. Well, I mean, if people are keen on playing games, then I should probably let people know that uh, the Cortex tabletop RPG 
game has a convention running. Oh, okay, I don't running, know. Yeah, yeah, running in November, the third, fourth, and fifth of November. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an online convention, so you should be able to. Oh, brilliant! So it yeah. doesn't okay. Yeah, exactly. It's online, so you can play from anywhere in the world. So if you are a fan of the Cortex system, then they, there is a Warhorn link. Uh, Warhorn, it's like a little bit fiddly, but it's basically it's a way to yeah. set up and run games and do it online. But once you, once you've done it, then it's actually, it's actually pretty easy to get going yeah. and so forth. So, um, I can thoroughly recommend it. Uh, that I think they've good. done stuff like Smallville and that sort of thing, uh, with Cortex. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, Cortex is one of those systems that it lends itself to many things. So people use it for loads of different settings and stories and, and hack it for stuff. So Yeah, yeah. I, I know it from Firefly, Smallville, that sort of thing. So you know, if you're a fan of um, early 2000s TV, then you are set to go. That sounds cool. Other things I have to tell you about. Are there, oh, I think you had some stuff about DM's Guild that followed on from last week. Do you want to go? Oh, yeah, I can do. Um, yeah. The, we were talking about Strongholds last week, as mm-hmm. frequent listeners will know. Although it might be yesterday for you, depending upon when you're listening to this podcast, or even today, who can do yeah, the same? We don't, we don't own your schedule. We don't own your schedule, and we don't want to either. But I did see that there was a bundle on DM's Guild. Now, mm-hmm. it's not quite what we were looking for, which I initially, I, I, I was like, oh, yes, yes, I must grab it. I must have it. Because I was like, oh, I, as we discussed, we both, I, th- I think, I think you and me were sort of on the same page. We're like, we want something modular granular mm-hmm. so you can just like you know basically you, you want to have that sort of XCOM downtime feel of saying yeah yeah we're just gonna whack some stuff there here's some gold excuse me I have to go and fight a dragon or two to get the <laughs> various mm-hmm. bits I need to power these like little workshops uh, yeah. much like the magic crafting system works and so forth uh, so this isn't that but what it is is it's mm-hmm. like some pre-built options Okay. For various strongholds, and it's like focusing on things like the downtime of building a tower, designing a home, running a tavern. So, but yeah, it's like a, it doesn't have quite that granularity as far as I can make out uh, from the description. But yeah, establishment building, the, the, it, the, it does look pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It's the Builder's Tools bundle from DM's Guild, and that's by a chap called Adam Hancock. So I think, I think I do tend to mention his stuff sometimes, so there you go. There you go. What a fine, what a fine, what a fine surname. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think he's a relation, unless you have a relation called Dan Hancock. Mm, no, but I, Hancock's a very common name though in oh. the UK and the US. It's yeah. Fair enough. I hear, I hear there's something to do with a signature, uh, that and that sort of thing going on. Sounds like fake news. Um, <laughs> but you know what isn't fake news? What isn't fake news? Stuff what Free League be doing. Oh, Free League! Do you want at me to tell you Free League at it again? Gah. And what? I'm I'm excited. So I I really like uh, Vassen, which is the yes. Nordic horror kind of RPG, and they have coming out like for Halloween. And I say for Halloween, literally on October thirty first, coming out mm. is the Lost Mountain Saga, and I mm. have a copy in my hands right here. Mm. Um, it has a lovely kind of textured, like almost cloth bound cover, which is. It's very satisfying to me. Yeah. Uh, the, the book that Jessica is currently fondling, listeners, has a... Oh, uh, it's, it's got an embossed silver back cover, including like a lovely bit of border edging, which I'm yes. finding very attractive. And the front cover has, well, essentially some sort of titan, maybe a giant, coming over the hills towards uh, what looks like... I mean, I'm not sure. Is that a sea, do we think? 
Um, I think it's a mountain range. Could be lava. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they're Could coming, be many things. I, I think. It, I think probably. I'm hoping that is a mountain range. Some parts of which are on fire. Has a enormous giant comes towards some people in the foreground who are like, "Well, we've got our tree. We're set. No problem." Anyway, yes, yeah, so it's very pretty. I, I mean, yeah. if you want to see an image of it, there's images on mm. Ian World on the article um, uh, uh. with more details on. So if Peter's description did not paint a, a feast for your ears, you can <laughs> feast your eyes on it. Um, yeah, I I, I really like um, the Vassen series. And this is pretty much, it's an adventure book, so it includes five mysteries. And I really like the mysteries the way they do them in Vassen because they kind of outline, hey, this is the situation, this is what's happening, these are all the details, what are you going to do? Um, so it doesn't, it's very much presents the players of the situation and there's lots of different ways they could kind of solve it. Mm. And the way the mysteries are written out for me suits the way I like to run games because it just kind of lays out what's going on, what everyone's doing, what they're thinking. Mm. So that helps me be really reactive to whatever players do. So I'm not like waiting for them to do X or Y step. I'm just like, well, I know what this person's about and what their motivations are and what their kind of wants and needs are in it. So I kind of know what they would react to anything. And uh, yes, it's got five different mysteries in. Just to give you a sampling, the first one is called Duty and Despair. A mm-hmm. uh, little, little interview is uh, Mysterious accidents plague the Swedish mining town of Flaun. I don't know if I said that right. F-A-L-U-N. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Falun? Falun? Falun. F-F-A-L-U-N. Falun. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I, yeah, I sure. don't know. I, I don't... Have my name. I'm going to miss something. I don't speak Swedish. Anyway. anyway. I don't speak Swedish uh, either. But anyway, crack on. In a Swedish mining town of the name spelt F-A-L-U-N, Pius Man takes upon himself to get to the bottom of the problem, which he is convinced is the result of mortal depravity and witchcraft. But something far more wicked is lurking in the dark covens. Um, so that's the first mystery, and it's all kind of, the mystery's kind of go on from there. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's a really pretty nice book. It's mm-hmm. coming out on 31st. You can pre-order it now. I think you get the PDF straight away, but the book comes out later. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's a really nice thing, and I like that series, so I wanted to give it a shout-out. And mm-hmm. Free League also, if Dragonbane, I haven't played this, uh, mm-hmm. just to be clear, um, but that's the... Demons so they they yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah. it was their take on Dungeons and Dragons from back in the day. It was really popular, and they've done a re-edition of it. Yeah. And they're bringing out um, a bestiary, a bestiary, a book of monsters, many foes. Um, so they're bringing Ooh. out a book for that, and it's got 63 new creatures in. Nice. And I, the things I like included is cat people and frog people. Ooh. So if cat that... people would eat the frog people. They must be kept separate. Well, I don't know. I haven't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's quite cute. And they also have... Instead of like miniatures, they have little standy tokens that you can buy. Yeah, you know, like the cardboard ones that you can go put on maps um, with artwork from from the creatures. Um, and that's where I saw the cat folk and the frog folk. The cats look like they have wings as well. Oh, wing kitties. Not classically feline in in a sense, uh, unless I'm you know incorrect. Your judge of cat anatomy is, as far as I'm concerned, pretty bang on. Okay, good. As I was like to say, I'm not a vet. <laughs> uh, I've, I've owned cats in the past, but not currently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and that, the standee set, it, I mean, it's sold separately additionally, but I thought that was quite cute as well. And I like the use of standees instead of miniatures as well, because generally they're a lot more affordable. Mm. Yeah. And cool. so that was my news about Free League and the things that they are doing. Yes, fair enough. Then let us segue smoothly and seamlessly mm-hmm. from the tales of dark and mystery in a fantasy world into mm-hmm. a sort of interesting 
the titled Kickstarter, which I came across, called, and I quote, The Old Ways Must Go, uh, which the subtitle gives it away. It's a tarot a ritual game. So I'm a little conflicted about this because I don't know if I would say tarot is a game, but they seem very focused on the symbology and the importance of ritual in lives, which is something I can agree with. And they've gathered together um, Captain Tim Rodriguez, Sam Fire Savage, and Jen Dixon in order to make a fairly interesting card game where you can create create your ideas. Um, it is a bit on the edge with funding. It's just starts off, it's got $1,600 of a 5,500 goal, which is a pretty, pretty hefty one. But they've got 28 to go, so it could still still be in it to win it. I certainly find it interesting. Probably my biggest uh, reason why I wouldn't get involved with it is it does ship to the US only. So oh, that's uh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, international shipping with like actual cards is more tricky, but I feel that might be affecting their funding base. But yeah, it's certainly an interesting game, and I would be interested in hearing what people who have more experience with tarot cards uh, would think of it. Hmm. That is interesting. I'm not. I've not delved into tarot. I know there's a lot of indie games and games on itch which use tarot cards as part of Mm. part of the storytelling. So that is a big thing. But it's not something I've explored too much. So Uh, beautifully evocative. I do have um, another story which I just remembered, which isn't tarot cards, but it uses playing cards. Oh, yeah. So right. this is actually a free game that's free at the moment, and I'll jump into why it's free as well. Mm-hmm. So um, it's called The World We Left Behind. It's a two-player world-building game, and the, mm-hmm. and the setting is you, you've got a deck of cards laid out, and you're exploring a deserted planet and learning what happened to the aliens who are no longer there. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're just exploring what happens in world-building. And you take different trips to the planets, um, and basically every time you're like, what's happened here? And you learn more about the world. Uh, and you if it's a very favourite deck of cards, probably not for the best because you draw on them. There's different symbols and things you do for traits. Ooh. So it was very interesting. And it's available for free um, currently. So you can download it for free. And the reason it's free is because it was commissioned by the Ballet Collective who are performing in ballet based on the game in New York City. Oh, goodness. I know. Didn't see that coming either. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, yeah. I was thinking it sounded quite familiar until I got to the uh, ballet thing. Um, yeah. Is there is there a name for this planet like P something? Hmm? Is there a name for this planet that they're investigating? Because I I think I have seen it's. This sounds like what an old it's game that I've seen. By about. Blinking Birch Games, the world we left behind. Because hmm. I don't was... see a name for the planet. I think because it's character hmm. building, you build. Right. You would name right. it yourself. Yeah, because there, there was one game which I saw which was quite somber and sad, which was all hmm. about sort of you're investigating a dead planet from an archaeological point of view. Similar vibes, similar vibes. But it's available for free now, so you can get the game because you just use your deck of cards to kind of of play it. um, And the world's free. But they are bringing out next year a version of the book with like nice artworks. They'll be doing a crowdfunding so you can buy it as a pretty thing if you want. But you can get it free now. And if you're interested in seeing the ballet based on this, it's Mm. happening Tuesday, October 31st, 1st November, 2nd November in New York as well. Uh, but we'll put links in the show notes to the whole thing. But I just thought that was really interesting that a ballet company have seen a game and been like, this has inspired us to create a ballet. Yeah, I just, I, yeah. how interesting yeah. that that I, happened. I mean, it sounds like games has art are definitely being more recognised. 
and getting into the public consciousness. So yeah, that's that's kind of nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's all the news I had in that. But just you, when you said tarot cards, I was like cards. I know something about cards. Let me tell you about cards. Uh, but I think, do you know, I think that's all the news I have this week. Hello, your editor, Dale here. Unfortunately, there is no new sketch this week. However, I shall attempt to make it up to you. Ahem. <clears throat> Goose. Monty Python reference. Bear Owl. Topical reference to RPG news that will make the sketch seem odd when it's reposted on its own in a year. Anachronistic display of a modern inconvenience reframed into a fantasy setting. Clowns. I apologize, but you will need to imagine on your own Peter doing an accent, Jessica acting very hard for a cold reading, and Russ laughing at his own jokes. Thank you for understanding. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget patreon.com slash morris can i go now so this week we're going to talk about what can be regarded as quite a controversial hot topic issue oh really oh absolutely like there are a lot of people get very upset about what happens if you start restricting player options in character creation in D&D? Okay, so let's yeah. kick the hornet's nest, you and me, Peter. Absolutely. Two very likeable people on the internet. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I'm actually a big fan of restricting options. Um, you, Because uh, basically, why do I like it? Because as a game runner and a narrator, I have to have fun too. If I'm not having fun, then you have no game. Mm-hmm. Not to put too far a point on it, like, you know, I'd love to be yeah. able to run a game if I didn't feel like it, but ultimately, if I don't feel like it, it's not going to happen. So, that is one thing. Um, there might be a specific sort of world building you have in mind, mm-hmm. and that could be a thing. So, but I think it, it's tricky because, like, some people are just like, you know, you can only play humans, and that's very boring. And if you're trying right. to play, if you're trying to play your base 5e game, then you've got your race, and you've got your class, Mm-hmm. And that's really it. Yeah. So that is, that is pretty dull. But uh, again, it's like, uh, in my experience, they can be a load of fun. Like, I played in an all kobolds game. We played through the Tyranny of Dragons adventure pathway, which is a solid two bucks. Has these, like, small, scaly murder toddlers. And it was great fun. We mm-hmm. fully recommend. There was, like, a lot of real energy that brought to it. And I have a big one that I very much enjoyed was uh, playing in... In an almost all dwarf campaign, we had some halflings, but we gave them a clear on the height restriction. Um, and then we also had like a token human who just like, you know, kept making jokes about him banging his head on because he was playing a monk. Because again, and again, things like banging classes. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes you're like, I don't want a Far Eastern influence in this. It doesn't make any sense for me in my game. Mm-hmm. But again, people are like, oh, I really want to play like a total monk. Why are you stopping me? You monster. And then go on the internet and complain. 
Okay, so talking about restricted options, so what we're saying is somebody's running a game, they're saying, hey, I'm running a game and I don't want anyone, and this is to D&D, we're putting this in the context of, I don't want anyone playing X things, which could be race, class, backgrounds. Would Would you include like content, like themes or... I, I mean, I mean, well, mean? Oh, well, I mean, themes. Like, if you can get that sort of depth of character building, then you're doing well indeed. This is like strictly mm-hmm. mechanics. Yeah. So, like, we're just talking about mechanics in this scope. I was just, I was just checking. I was just, I was just asking. Yeah, like it might not make any sense to you that, like, you might take the approach that humans, orcs, elves, all different species. Therefore, how would you get a harp of one? Like, maybe you're like, okay, but you can have one, but you can't have any children and so forth, because that's kind of how it works in, like, the real world. Like, yeah, you mix two different species, sometimes you get, like, um, a non-fertile hybrid, again, like, based on my thing. I'm not saying this is how it should be, but I can see that that would be how some people would look at it. Right. Okay. I try not to adopt that approach, mm-hmm. because essentially, for a lot of people, they, like, read themselves into the characters on a really strong basis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like that, that. That's what people are doing. So yeah, I mean, you have people who have different parents from different quote races unquote, uh, but that's really more being racialized into it. But I digress. I digress. So yeah. like, yeah, these people should get representation as well. So it it it, it can it can be like a very surprising emotive issue. Yeah, I think probably the least controversial version is should you have characters that can fly at level one? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I guess because okay, all right. So what are, what are, what are my thoughts on this? So hmm. So I think in the, should there be any restrictions? Well, I think every game needs to have some restrictions because every game hmm. I do, I sit down and we kind of want to agree what we're playing. Hmm. Um, and when I'm running a game, there are certain uh, like themes and topics that I don't want to explore, which we do like as part of safety to- tools, lines and veils, because yeah, I want like, to tell sort of session zero sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I sometimes do that when I'm putting... Generally, what I do when I'm running a game, um, I have a server with some friends in, and I'm like, hey, I want to run this game. These are the things, and these... What I also do to get around scheduling is I say, these are the dates and times I'm running it. So mm-hmm. I just basically put my stall out, and if you can, if you want to come, you can come, and if not, it's fine. So that gets yeah. around to, hey, does anyone want to play? And then we have to do the dance of dates and times. But that's oh, a different subject. Yeah, yeah. You I, actually, I just put out my stall. <laughs> I'm like, it's happening in here. <laughs> in or out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, with so, yes, I think in some ways restricting elements of the game and saying what you will and won't run is, is good because there's so many reasons why you want to do that because you want to tell a particular story. When mm. it comes to like, so for, for like themes and, you know, vibes on world building and stuff, I kind of think mm. that's fine. When it comes to like more mechanical things, I think it's looking, I think the important question is like, why? Um, because the why is becomes very important. I mean, surely two go hand in hand if you're doing world building then surely you want some mechanics to support that yeah i mean that and that could be a reason because you could be like we're gonna be in a fantasy world where we're just having classic lord of the rings characters because i'm doing i'm playing the 5e lord of the rings game and so it doesn't make sense for me to have i don't know dragonborn in there like that's that i kind of wouldn't be as well it'd be awkward to have an orc or a goblin kicking around or would it be more interesting 
Because, like, uh, wh- why is there an awkward... Because generally, if somebody wants to do something, a player has an idea, that the why is kind of what's important. Yeah. Because if they're like, actually, I think it'd be really interesting to have, like, an orc that's defected that was part of Mordor, but now wants to fight on this, and da-da-da, and I'd be like, cool. Because is it going to... Because my main question is, is this going to disrupt the party and telling a story? Because if, mm. if, you, if you were, like, in that Lord of the Rings thing, like, oh, I wanted to play an orc, and if you're like, yeah, I'm totally against it, and I'm totally for thing, I'm like, well, then you're not going to be in this adventure because... Where, because why would you be here? Why would you be in this party helping on what we're doing if you're totally opposed to it? That's there's gonna be one session where everyone's gonna get annoyed, you know, like why? So, so if someone wants to play a human halfling elf or dwarf, you're like, yeah, green light, no questions yeah. needed, you're just mm-hmm. good to go. Someone wants to play something special, you would ask questions, yeah. I'd be like, oh, let's discuss. I'd want to know like why and what they're wanting to do with it because sometimes you can like edit it, you can say, oh, well. Actually, you could achieve that by doing X, like mechanically yeah. keeping within what I had thought were restrictions. Or maybe I could loosen my restriction. I could say, hey, yeah, you can do this, but bear in mind, you're not going to be able to do this. Hmm. So because I have a plot, re- yeah. It, it, plot if reason. I can sort of take a punt at sort of trying to make sure that I understand what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It sounds like we sort of got like a free list approach, like. Um, yeah. Which, as you know, a white list is, these are explicitly pre-approved, go nuts. Mm-hmm. A grey list, these are okay, like the orcs or goblins, but mm-hmm. I'm going to need to have some justification to fit them in. And then there's a, a black list, which is, these are explicitly banned. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've not done any things that would be explicit. Yeah, I mean, in that example of the Lord Rings, you could easily do that mm-hmm. and have. But I think, you know, any player, if they want to play something and they have an idea, yeah. always let's discuss it because well, so like a talk, there could be something like, I've missed human total thing in your Lord of the Rings game, that would be potentially okay. I mean, we could be, if we could talk about it and find a reason to make it work and the why. Hmm. Because for me, the, I mean, the main reason... I mean, everything is subject to pl- a, a table, negotia- table negotiation, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. pretty much everyone around that table wants to sit and have fun playing yes. a game and telling a story. And we can define what that looks like as a table. Yeah. So, and, you know, and so it just... It just yeah, it, it kind of depends. So so would you adopt that approach up front? Would you say, these are okay, these are maybe okay, and are you pro- but you wouldn't have a, nothing is absolutely banned, you just have a grey list, which is, these are okay by default, and the, and anything else you're going to have to talk to me about. Is that is that your approach? Or am I yeah, well, what I've said, because I haven't run a Lord of the Rings game, so this is no, a bit no. of a <laughs> But what I've done yeah. in other games, I said, hey, I'd like it if you could make characters that are like this, if you'd want to play something different, let me know and we'll talk about it in session zero. Hmm. Is literally kind of the words I've said. So I've kind of said, yeah. hey, this these sorts of things would really fit the story we're trying to tell here. Hmm. But, you know, if you've got something different, let's talk about it. So yeah. if somebody had come to the table and been like, oh, I really wanted to play a whatever, an Arakokra in the Lord of the Rings setting. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk, okay, let's talk about it. Let's talk about why and what you're Ooh. trying to do. I think, so I think if you've got a really specific story you're trying to tell, a really specific setting, that makes sense having some mm. restrictions in a, in a D&D yeah. context with like, you know, people, the, the, the classes and the heritages and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't, sometimes I don't get it when you're playing just a, a D&D module adventure mm. Mm. and I don't get some people that are like, oh, I don't do, ho- I won't let people have any homebrew stuff. It's only stuff that okay. Wizards are published. That I don't understand as much. Because if it's something that's like, it breaks the setting, like we talked about the tone, that makes sense. Mm. But so, I've had some people go, oh no, I don't do any homebrew th- things. Okay. Which 
I don't know if that's just because I'm an advocate for third-party publishers. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, Cause I, yeah, because there's sometimes this opinion that it's like, well, they're not proper real things, are they? And I'm yeah, like, yeah. no, they are. I, I, I think that, you know, as, <laughs> as those who might have listened to me before know, I'm quite keen on the concepts of homebrew and hacking, but to I mm. do differentiate between these two concepts. Mm-hmm. And the way I differentiate is homebrew is... Are you making up your own setting material? Mm-hmm. Then that that is all by default homebrew. Some people exclude extend that to include what I regard as hacking, which mm-hmm. is where you change the rule set. Mm-hmm. So hacks would include third party content. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a difference between stuff that has made it into a book, as made by game designers, and mm-hmm. I'm probably going to sound quite gatekeepery. And then there's stuff like you see on D&D Wiki, where you can get stats for, like, uh, what's it? I think I saw Athena, who had 9,000 hit points and plus 30, and it was a DC 30 to resist anything she did. And I'm like, well, why do we have a stat block in this case? What? Yeah. What, what, what is the point? I don't understand. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that comes to a concept of game balance, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, and and when we talk about game balance, I think there's this idea that is very popular among certain people that there is a game balance, as in everything is like balanced with respect to some sort of system, mm-hmm. and for things like damage per round, yeah, that that is more or less true. Two hit rolls, save DCs. There is a line mousing. You do have to pay attention to that because mm-hmm. otherwise. Someone will be noticeably better. Yeah. But on the whole, it's just not that big a deal. Yeah. The more important sort of balance, which everyone understands intuitively, is the how does this character feel? One, for the player. Two, for the, for the person running the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and three, for the other players in the party. Yes. And that balance, that is the one that if you get that wrong, no one will be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, I, 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 can, I can balance for, like, a party of, like, overstated munchkins very easily. I have a GM. I have an infinite number of red dragons in my back pocket. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Nothing. But if someone is, like, they've brought along, like, I think the Mystic class was an example that people often complained about. And that, I don't even know if that was particularly a balance or not. I do know that it was, like, 30 pages for a single class. What was the class? Like, I've not, I've not the, played the Mystic. It. Yeah, the Mystic. What's what's? It's been a, a. It's like you can use, I guess, like psychic powers to do stuff. You know what? I I was like, oh, what's that then? Oh, it's thirty pages. Sounds cool. I mean, it sounds interesting, but I'm not going to read all of that. That is like no paperwork. Well, one, no paperwork. That is a very strong <laughs> rule of mine. But two, also, it's like that is what about between. Uh, five to ten other classes, depending upon exactly what you're looking at, mm-hmm. that you could fit in that space that that single class is taking up. That is a lot of information that is special rules for these people. So yeah. I, I'm like, yeah, that, that I, I don't want to engage with that. I don't see how it's going to... I'm going to have to... It's basically, if, when that player's turn comes up, if you want to do something, then there's just going to be this whole spelunking into working out how it works. Mm. So I can understand the desire to avoid breaking your intrap party balance that way. So is that part of what you're saying is that as a GM, if there's a class that you don't know the rules and mechanics to, you're therefore you're not sure it's going to be balanced and fun for the table to play with? 
well, is I that mean, part of it? Or? I, uh, yeah, like yeah, to a certain extent, yes. I can definitely see the need to stick to mm-hmm. like sort of official material for that. Mm-hmm. Like for I'm running a level up game, and everyone's chosen to play a official level up character, and that gives me confidence because I know that mm-hmm. somebody at some point has at least gone and looked at them and said, "Yeah, right, that probably works." Things like subclasses, I'm like so classes. They're, they're, they're probably the biggest thing I have a problem with because I'm like, oh man, that's a lot of reading I'm going to have to do. How big is the class? <laughs> mm. I know, I know, that sounds awful. It sounds no, awful. no, 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 no. But like, it's like, generally, if there's a lot of words involved, I begin to start suspecting sort of the, the creative gnomes are coming out. And there'll be mm-hmm. lots of like, like a Heath Robinson affair. I can't remember what the American name for it is, but it's all those like weird alarm clocks where like, the clock goes to a certain thing. It pulls on a string. It yeah, starts yeah, yeah. the chicken. It lays an egg, and then like it makes yeah, you yeah. breakfast. You get parachutes into your clothes. All mm. that sort of Wallace and Gromit stuff. Yeah, yeah. I start suspecting that. I'm like, I'm not going to have fun with that. I personally, I mean, you know, maybe you, will, maybe your player will love it, but mm-hmm. for me, it's like you're going to take up a lot of table time. Mm-hmm. Probably, I suspect, to the detriment of other people's enjoyment. So I'm against it. Subclasses, subclasses are a lot less important. Mm-hmm. And they're very popular player options. Like, I think they're some of the first things that got made for Level Up. There's certainly untold amounts of them. Mm-hmm. And my subclass will also include, like, Warlock patrons as well. Yeah. Uh, just because those are things that people can say. And, like, cleric domains. Goodness. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they, they, these are things that people are very interested in because uh, they're player options and they let you play something yeah. new. Yeah. So, again, it depends where you get it from. Do you get it from Wizards of the Coast? Do you get it from Ian Publishing? You go yeah. to a third party publisher, or do you? I don't. I don't think we've got too much stuff that's just kicking around on like uh, for level up at the moment. But yeah, I mean, you could probably get some yeah. of that from there. So that's something I'd probably want to have a look at. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that would be the discussion for me as well. It's like if you want to play something that I don't know, yes. I'd want to just take a look at it and know what it is to check. It. Like you say, every, it's going to not prevent everyone having fun for whatever reason because it's overpowered or it just you know. Yeah. You know, it, or it's going to take too much time and be too slow at the table or, or whatever reason. But is this, is this going to stop us having fun for some reason? Yeah. Is, but, is um, it overpowered with respect to the rest of the party? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then you've got concepts like niche protection, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, ultimately in a class-based game, you pretty much have classes are doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Having someone come and uh, invade your niche is not fun. Yeah. I mean, speaking as someone who was playing a rogue, someone else was playing a halfling, and because the GM insisted on running for stats, I had like plus two in some stuff. They had plus five in all of my rogue things, plus they were also a really good wizard. So I'm like, so they're just better at me, at my job. Why Why am I here? What, <laughs> what am I bringing to the table at this point? You know what you're bringing, Peter? Vibes. That's what you bring. <laughs> assist action, quite frankly. Which, you know... It's nice. I do like and mm-hmm. enjoy playing good support, but I don't want to have to do it all the time because that's the only sensible option. That yeah. feels like off. Like my, where's my time in the spotlight? You know what I mean? Sure. So I don't enjoy okay. it. I don't want to inflict it on other people. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think we're kind of saying, yeah. I think in games, it's it's fine for the GM to have like a preference list of like classes and races they want to have yeah. in the campaign because it fits the setting and the story they want to tell. And it can be exciting as well. Themes, theme games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. 
But I think it's with the caveat of if there's something else you want to do, let's talk about it. Because there's a bit more nuance in the why you say no to it. Because like you say, generally, some people might be like, oh, I don't really want third party things for all the reasons you said that I don't know if it's balanced or yada, yada, yada. Um, But there, there are probably loads that actually are. So sometimes if you take a look at it, you can read it and be like, okay, yeah, this this works. Let's why not? Yeah. So that that makes sense to me. But from like the other counter side, I guess people are saying if you're a player and you might feel like you're just ruining my fun because I had this idea that I wanted to play yeah. my Dragonborn yeah. thing. I don't know. I was I was trying to think of a, a weird class, but I could think of an obscure niche class off the top of my head. Um, yeah. But yeah, I wanted to play this, and um, yeah. and you're saying no. Why? Why We're in a fantasy game. Why are you saying no? So I do kind of understand that. Although part of me, for me, when I play characters Mm. in games, I can play, I play rogues a lot. It's, Mm. we all know this. So pretty much um, I'm not getting much variety in from the class, from the mechanics, but I get loads of variety in my story from the fact that they're different characters Mm. Um, because your class and the abilities you have are kind of tools to do things. But the way different people use tools and what they use them for can be very different. Like, you know, if you have a hammer, you could use it to create something and craft something, or you could hit someone over the head. And they're two very different people that do those different things, baby. (laughs) And that's interesting, and that's what I want to explore. So sometimes when... Because I'm about to play... I'm actually going to play D&D for the first time in years, because I haven't played D&D. There have been some restrictions that, because of the setting, we all are going to be playing humans. Yes. And that didn't bother me because I was like, oh, there's a story reason why that's going to come out. Fine. But that made me look for variety in other parts of my character beyond mechanical things. So I looked yeah. at, obviously, the, the class I was going to play with what everyone else is doing. But then I was like, okay, what personality and what sort of perspectives and things is this person I'm going to play have? Mm. And that will that's different from other characters that I've played before. So I think, yeah. you know, you can get variety and tell the story you want to tell outside because I, whenever I build a character, I don't start start with race or class at all. Mm-hmm. I think about their personality, and then mm-hmm. generally I'm like, what leans into this? What makes sense to what they are? Mm-hmm. Following that, so but I know a lot of people start with, okay, what class do I want to play, and look at it from that way for their game. So I think it's a different approach. It's an important choice which will inform yeah how you experience the game mm-hmm. in a class based game. Yeah, like in D and D. Yeah, like if you're playing a game where you have more flexibility to build a character, then you're going to have different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. But yeah. I, so I, yeah. So I, I, yeah, pretty much, I think, I think we're coming to a similar place of agreement that, yeah, I think it is okay for a GM to put restrictions on games for certain yeah. things. I think it's communication is important to players as to why you're doing that. So it's not just like, why are you being mean? So you can be like, the reason is because we're doing this setting or, or yada, 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 whatever. And like you say, I think, players need to understand that GMs can say no to things and they, whilst they are there to run a game and it's going to mm. be fun for you, that this is also them playing the game and having fun. Mm. Yeah. Unless it's a paid GM service, then maybe it's a slightly different thing. But even then, yeah, they're I allowed mean, to put out their stall and say what they're, they're selling. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, putting out a stall, establishing mm. boundaries about what yeah. isn't, isn't okay. Yeah. They seem like they are sort of things. Mm-hmm. Could I maybe give you two real-world examples yes. of stuff, and mm-hmm. you tell me what you think? Oh, okay. This is like being on Reddit. Is it this an am I the asshole situation? Oh, well, I mean, it's like a, it's an ethical conundrum. So for okay. me, this is like happy days. I enjoy thinking about this sort of thing. So if you're not Okay, all right, all right. No, no, let's do it. 
Situation one. Okay, yeah. So I have a friend who is pretty dissimilar to me. I think that would be a fair thing to say. I clearly value my little mechanics, my little whirling wheels. Mm -hmm. Like I press the button, a character goes bonk. Joy results for me. I'm like a little rat pressing button. But there are people who are like maybe more like in your towards your end of things where like I have my concept. I will attempt to shoehorn it into this various cheese grater of a thing and hopefully yeah. I'll enjoy what comes out. Yeah. So my friend was very much more towards that end of the spectrum. Is, um, is the friend me? No. Okay, right, okay. Well, it might be you. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, as well, but this is not you that I'm thinking of. <laughs> okay, okay, okay cool. to, to my knowledge, you have never said, I want to play a game of D&D. Can I play a Medusa? I have not done that, but... So, so that's not you as well, but... Yeah, tell me. I... Okay, but sorry, gonna carry on with your example because I was gonna say, no, but I no, have been at a like, table yeah. with another player that yeah. wanted to be a Medusa type thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah, and and like, you know, thematically, story wise, this is very cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a nice idea. There's a lot of things that you can play around with mm-hmm. with Medusas. There's themes of misogyny. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's themes of beauty. There's themes of like even hubris. One could argue throwing mm-hmm. in there. But on the other hand. You're trying to play a game of first level D and D here, and somebody's like, "I'd like stone gaze, please," but that's not what they're asking. They're saying they want to play Medusa. They're not saying that they want mm-hmm. stone gaze. Like I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have asked to play Medusa. It would never occur to me because I'm like, "Well, they got stone gaze. They'll just look at you and turn you to stone." That's going to make things very easy. Yeah, yeah. So, so what? What I did in this situation? What happened in this situation is somebody wanted to play a Medusa like character for all those things you were talking about. And so, so then it came to okay. So how do we hack this so it works mechanically? So it's not mm. exactly like you said. I look at someone and they die because that's not fun. Uh, mm. So we just hacked the rules of how that works mechanically mm. and gave a story reason as to why they couldn't look at somebody and do that. Like there's, you know, yeah. So we just like let's within the rule set we have let's edit this so it's workable and fun for everyone because mm. the main thing this person wanted to play that was for the the theme, the vibes, the character. Mm. So they still got to do all of that, but we need to just, you know, with the mechanics, edit it a bit so it works. So yeah, that's yeah. what happened in that situation. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's, that's like a pretty common response, which is uh, the DM takes on the role of game designer and yeah. hacks it so it works. Yeah. Which, got to say, is pretty cool. Yeah. I think it depends on your player, though, because hmm. this player was well known to everyone at the table and to the GM, so we knew that they weren't going to... If something was a little bit overpowered, we knew they weren't going to abuse it in a way that wouldn't be fun for everyone else. And we knew that they mm. would role play in a way that wouldn't be fun for everyone else because we'd played yeah. this person for a lot. So I think that factors into it as well as who the person is. Because if you've never played them before, you don't know their play style and mm. what how they play with others, you know? <laughs> uh, but anyway. But yeah. yeah. So that was an, that's a caveat I'll put on that. No, yeah, no, I mean, that, that's pretty reasonable. Um, in the case of my friend, they were just told no. Which I say, again, I say that is pretty reasonable mm-hmm. so it sounds like for yours there was some designing uh they later got to play in a game as a medusa mercenary but what happened was that they had things reskin for them yeah so their existing mechanics and we, they were just dressed up but mm-hmm. they were using these bits from various places which yeah, yeah. which is pretty much what we did exactly yeah, so yeah. Yeah. So, yeah um for me for the advanced edition stuff i'm like mm-hmm. i now have access to paragon gifts so I made a Medusa heritage where at level 10, you're going to have some stone gaze. Yeah. Because why not? Like, it's not 
like permanent, but you know, it's, it, it's something that you can mm-hmm. work towards and it, and the I've written supporting story has to how that would happen. Nice. Um, yeah, so that, 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 that is a thing you can do. So, okay. So that, uh, those ways rounds it. I guess, mm-hmm. uh, probably another one that happened to me personally is someone asked me if they could play a vampire in my Tolkien-esque Lord of the Rings game. If yeah. they said, it's all, if I said, it's all Lord of Darkness, and they said, I want to play a vampire, I'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Welcome to the game, buddy. But no, it's like, this is a Lord of the Rings style fantasy, maybe a bit weirder. And they're like, I'd like to play a vampire from Ohio. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Like, that's actually happened to me. Well, it sounds like you Didn't had a specific... Brief, obviously. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Didn't read the brief, obviously. <laughs> yeah. No, that it just sounds like there's a communication yeah. the issue there for whatever reason. The person didn't pick up what was put down or, you know, whatever. Yes, they, 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 they literally didn't read the brief. <laughs> well, yeah. Had, I'm doing a D&D game and like, therefore, yeah. I can play whatever I want to play. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, so I I think if you had a discussion like, oh, I didn't really think vampire law was being a thing in this, what, yeah, mm-hmm. well, how I would have approached that would have been, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, I was... I would have, again, had this conversation, tried to be speaking to them so that they couldn't ignore it. But, you know, people say, like, anyway, <laughs> I'm like, oh, hey, um, so I was thinking the setting would be like more Lord of the Rings, it's a classic thing, so I didn't picture vampires being part of the law. What is it that made you want to play a vampire? Is there something similar we can do? Mm. Which is kind of what I would look to do. Because, like, why do they want to play a vampire? Do they want to play someone that's, like, mysterious and maybe a bit evil, but fighting against it and, like, ugh. Have they just recently played Baldur's Gate and want to be a Starian? These are all valid choices. <laughs> that, that last bit, no, but I can see very much where you're coming from. Because, because if you were doing another setting and somebody has just played Baldur's Gate and was like, I want those Astarian vibes, I'm like, be a sassy bard then. Because that's a, a lot of that. If that's the what, because it depends what you're wanting from that. Are you want yeah. you know, are you wanting like a yeah. personality trait or a vibe? Is there something mechanically you are specifically looking like? Because I think understanding why somebody wants that choice can allow you to give alternatives that they weren't aware mm. of that will make a win for everybody because then it fits you as the GM, the, the setting of the story you want to tell and it suits them as a player for what they what they were wanting to do with yeah. that character. So that is kind of, that's what I would do. Yeah, so if they said something like, I want to lean into the, uh, I don't know, the brooding power of Anne Rice's books, like the Vampire Lestat. Yeah, yeah, you can be a kind of a Striders type character then if you wanted to be like a, mm-hmm. you know, like there's, you know, that immediately, like, I think understanding why people want things and just getting to the reason behind it sometimes. And sometimes you have to talk about it because sometimes the person doesn't know. <laughs> like they're like, <laughs> yeah, they haven't made the connection as to why they want that thing and what that means, but so that can be a bit of time. But um, yeah, I think just understanding why they want to play that and what that does and if there's a way that it can make it fit for some reason. Yeah. And sometimes it is that they just want to specifically play a vampire. And it's like, okay, well, tell you what, this is the campaign we're going to run here. How about the next campaign we do, we have something that you can play that character then. Because yeah. equally I had that because there was a character type I wanted to play at a table. When we mm. did session zero, someone else had kind of had an idea that was quite similar to mine. Uh, and I was like, oh, and for exactly the thing you were saying, you, there's, you don't want to have somebody that has all your skills and abilities and does your thing at the mm. table because that's not fun. Yeah. And so I kind of went, do you know what? Like, I've got another idea I can do. So I'm going to park this idea, put it over there. But when we run a next campaign, I'm going to play this character in that one and we can do. Mm. So there's usually, yeah, other ways to do things. Mm. That's what I think. I think a lot of D&D issues in tables and groups come down to being social issues. 
<laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it becomes yeah. social disagreement and about communication and things like that. Because I'm on Reddit and mm. there's a lot of like D&D help forum questions and things. And sometimes yeah. they're mechanical and it's like, oh, how does this work? And I can't find this reference. And that's yeah. usually an easier fix because someone's like, oh, page 37 has your answer. Like, and it's, you know. Yeah. But a lot of them is like, I'm having this problem with this player on my table doing this thing. And it's, yeah. Have you tried talking to them like an yeah, and it's and usually that's what it comes down to, and it's yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, part of it is mismatch between player expectations and narrator expectations. Yeah, like what what sort of game? And again, it's like yeah, negotiating negotiating mm-hmm. the boundaries. There's just there are just a lot of assumptions going around. Yes, like I don't know if anyone else has come across this, but I've had people come along rocket. To my little Facebook page for the Southampton Role Players. They're like, oh, we've been playing Baldur's Gate 3 and we'd like someone to DM this game for us at our house. I'm like, hmm, okay then. And they, I don't think they really understand, like, potentially how threatening that could be. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's like, yeah, we're a bunch of guys, we want you to come around to our house. It's like, okay. I will not be doing soon. that. Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's like, I'm not assuming bad intentions, but it does seem kind of like contrary to uh, good practice because honestly, it's like literally the first post that they've ever made. Like mm-hmm. they're not like someone who's been kicking around for ages saying, Oh yeah, like, oh yeah, they're probably all right. No, no, they're just random strangers who say, Yeah, come out. Come out to the countryside. Play <laughs> come to our house and run the game for us. And it's like and I don't think they appreciate that there's actually work involved either. Yeah. They're not proposing to run a game. If someone was saying Okay, I can't be asked to leave my house, but I can run you a game. Like that is a different thing. It's like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like it's it's still like maybe not the safest possible thing that could be done, but it seems like less of an invitation to having a terrible time. <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, oh yeah, sure. I'll come and play for some people whose experience is running playing Baldur's Gate Three, and I'm going to match that with my sketches yeah. and narration. Like yeah. As opposed to the <laughs> millions of pounds of voice acting and animations. Do you know, I think this is almost leaning us into another topic, which may be for another mm. week, which could be managing players' expectations. Managing players' and game masters' expectations. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that is like part of why one would restrict options, help yeah. manage because this is a part of it. But I feel that yeah. is a much bigger and wider conversation. Okay, so, okay, yeah. maybe, maybe yeah, a topic. I, I was able to solve the vampire week. problem. Uh, oh like, yeah how did you solve the vampire problem sorry well i i mean it's just basically because the heritage gifts in a5e they're all pretty much balanced with some exceptions mm-hmm. and this there's a feat a synergy feat in uh a5e which sets you on the path to vampirism i'm like oh these are actually about the oh, same value the same way so just just hot swap them in there yeah <laughs> So you lose your heritage gift, but you get staff as a vampire, as opposed to picking it up at level four. Classic homebrew and hacking. Which uh, which I did also offer. I was like, yo, we can make sure you're a vampire by level four. It won't be a problem. I can, I'm sure I can find something with necrotic damage Someone in Someone will come and give you a nibble between now and then. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, so there's lots of options, and I think that is one of the things. But I, I do find this a lot easier resolving this sort of problem in advanced first edition than I do in basic. Because I, I don't even have answers for some of this stuff. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know how I begin to approach it. Yeah. Because it's just it's just harder. I'm not yeah. a good designer. Like, I'm okay at best. 
I just have a really good tool set and focus. That's it. And empathy. Focus and empathy. Yeah. Like most things in life. Well, Peter, I feel like we've solved that issue and no one online will ever need to argue about it ever again. But they will anyway. Good. (laughs) Excellent. Well, what a great week. Well, we'll be back next week with Russ and we'll be talking about equipment and hands out and Yeah, when we say equipment, we're talking about like props and realia, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, not not torches and so forth. Because I've got a lot to say about that. We can talk about torches as well if you'd like. Ah, No, I mean for the characters, right? Anyway, sorry. (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Well, if you want to play a charisma class, you might as well play a half-elf, because you've got a boost there. And I think it's rubbish. But he plays very human. We could talk about this, maybe. Should, do you yeah. want to give that a go? Should we have a little break and give that a go? Because yeah. I'm not sure if I agree. So this could be good. Yeah, yeah. Because point yeah. counterpoint. Instead of us just both going, yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> I think if we have a topic we both agree on, we'll just go, I think this. And I'll be like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Podcast done. <laughs>